Welcome. You've joined the Sexy Lifestyle with Carol and David. Our show is here to help you achieve better, better love, better sex, and a better, more intimate relationship. Are you ready? Take notes and send us your questions. This is the Sexy Lifestyle. Now, here are your hosts, Carol and David. Hi, everyone. I'm Carol. And I'm David. Are you ready to spice up your sex life and live happy, healthy, and always horny? Well, you've come to the right place because that's what the Sexy Lifestyle is all about. David and I are passionate about making your sex life the best it can be. We sure are. And you know, we love talking about sex and sexuality, sexual pleasure, communication, consent, respect, and relationships. And we hope our discussions open up your dialogue about great sex because... Well, great sex matters and we all deserve it. So today is a really special show because it's our third anniversary show. We have a super special guest. And, you know, we've been on the year for three years. We've had 170 episodes, over 300 guests. We're at 750,000 listeners in over 70 countries around the world. It's just crazy. And we're really hoping by my birthday that we're going to hit that 1 million listener mark. Yeah, my birthday's in May. Yeah, And I'm thinking we're goal. working towards it. So keep listening and tell your friends. And uh, we're going to keep getting great guests and provide great content. Sure. Let's shout out to all our amazing guests. They're like We've li- had so many wonderful people. And we're really excited about going forward and what's happening in 2020. We've got lots of good things in store for everybody. We are. And in just a second, we're going to introduce someone who's been on our show before, who's absolutely spectacular. But let's ask the question. Are you questioning the foundation of your relationship? Wondering if the social norms and expectations of a monogamous marriage will ever meet your personal needs and sexual desires? Well, on today's show, we're going to explore the different styles of relationships that will open up in this new decade and how options like polyamory and non-monogamy may serve as a healthy relationship model for those who are seeking change. It sure has helped us. Uh We are definitely going to have a wonderful show. We've been in that non-monogamous swinger lifestyle for 12 years and we're going to get a little bit into our life and talk to our guest about what she's been uh, talking about over the years. Um, But first, let's talk about our top waterproof blanket. You know, um, nobody wants to sleep in the wet spot and squirt is hot until it's not. So if you're fed up with sleeping in that wet spot or having to change your sheets every time you have sex, then you need one of our top waterproof blankets. You know, it's 100% waterproof and leak-proof, and it guarantees to keep your bed and mattress dry no matter how wet you can get it. Well, from messy massage oils to silicone lubes and any other sexy wetness, you just throw it in the washer and dryer, and it comes out looking like brand new. Search on Amazon for Top Waterproof Blanket and order yours today. Order today. We have a special coming up online right now for Valentine's Day. Yes, exactly. And uh, so uh, go on there, get it. We have a brand new red color, a combo pack. So go to Amazon and search Top Waterproof Blanket. All right, enough of that. Let's get into our show. You know this is The Sexy Lifestyle. We are Carol and David, and we are uber excited to welcome today's special guest. Super uber. That's great, Super uber. New word. Dr. Kat Meyer is a couples therapist, (laughs) sex therapist, yoga instructor, published researcher, and Reiki practitioner dedicated to evolving the relationships that we have surrounding our sexuality and our bodies. She has a podcast, too. Yes, absolutely. Talk about that as well. Dr. Kat Meyer, welcome to The Sexy Lifestyle. Thank you for taking time out of your busy day, and we're looking forward to an amazing show. Hi, guys. It's good to talk to you again. You're joining us all the way from the West Coast today? Yes, the gorgeous, sunshiny Los Angeles right now. Well, we're, <laughs> It's cold, but we're it's sunshine. <laughs> that's beautiful, and we're lucky enough to be in Jamaica this week. We're on vacation down here. Yeah, we're here for two weeks, so there's a little bit of distance between us, so that's all good. <laughs> I can barely feel it. <laughs> oh, good. And we're going to be talking about relationships today and all different types of relationship styles, new things that are getting more and more popular and we're expecting Monogamy, to... non-monogamy, yes, exactly. polyamory, swinging. Oh, yeah. I think we'll talk a little bit about swinging mm-hmm. when we get into that section of the show. We'll talk a little bit about Kat and her sex mm-hmm. life and her preferences in our Great Sex Matters segment. So let's start with the basics. Right. Kat, why don't you describe uh, all the differences between monogamy, non-monogamy, and polyamory? polyamory? Sure. Yes. Um, so when we talk about monogamy, this is, that's pretty much what we, what is socially constructed idea of what a relationship is. Um, we, we tend to think of it as a two people in a committed 
union together without the engagement, the sexual or romantic engagement with other people. Um, Non-monogamy is more of an umbrella term that refers to anything that is not monogamous. <laughs> so um, whether that's the relationship is fluid or whether it, it forms something that essentially is just different than the socially constructed idea of the two-unit partnership. And then polyamory refers, or let me start first with the difference between open and poly. So open relationships is underneath the umbrella term of non-monogamy. And it refers to uh, typically two people who are in a unit who then also have sexual experiences or um, sensual experiences or with other people outside of their pair unit. Polyamorous tends to be people who identify who, with um, multiple love or romantic relationships. And those can be sexual or they can be sensual or they can simply be uh, emotional. But they, they have the ability to form full-on relationships with people outside. So love is, an, is a uh, major aspect of that. And then swinging relationships like the two of you tend to be um, a couple – unit who then engage in sexual experiences with other couple units or yeah this primarily sexual relationships we, we consider ourselves emotionally so we're emotionally monogamous but, but we, we like with to play people. with other people okay that, that's, that's true foursomes okay. and more right exactly no emotion involved <laughs> in the other I'm, people <laughs> His other people. Right. Uh, so how does that look for the two of you? I love this. Oh, yeah. So, well, we consider ourselves uh, our emotional mm-hmm. monogamous. Uh, so we're definitely committed to each other. That's really what it's all about. So emotionally, we're totally We're in love to with each, each other. other. We're not in love with other people. Right. We just and we have sex with other people. And we don't seek that in our relationship. We don't seek to have uh, emotional connections with other people. Yeah, we're, we're not just, out there to fall in love with them. We just want to fuck them. That's right. So and we're going to talk later about how you fuck another person. <laughs> well, how we do it or, or how we let the other both, person. Both, yes, both, okay. both, both, So I just want to ask you a question. When it comes to same-sex couples, they're still considered monogamous because they are a two-person committed relationship. Is that correct? If they choose to be. Right, right. I'm talking about, yes. But even whether the same sex or heterosexual, it doesn't matter. Monogamy still covers. It doesn't matter. Uh, exactly. Just when it's a pair of people who uh, are committed to each other, that's monogamy. And anything else kind of is non-monogamy and beyond. Well, it's even fascinating even asking my clients uh, to question how they define commitment because that's going to help them to understand the the types of relationships that they want to form for themselves too so when we say two people are committed what does that mean for them you know does that mean that they are going to choose each other every single day and through thick or thin Um, but then even in non-monogamous relationships we can be committed to multiple people as well so um or even the word commitment can be can change because some people can say, you know what, I choose commitment of myself, and ultimately, what is uh, what is important for me and myself. And, and so they- I think. Oh, I was just going to say, as we're designing our own relationships and as we're, you know, pulling out these different pieces of what formulates our own expectations of how we see relationships and the roles that we play in them, defining things like commitment and intimacy and fidelity are going to be key pieces in us to understand how we want to move forward. And we just last week did a show with Tori Souls, Tori and Soul, who are a <laughs> female, same-sex, bisexual swinger couple. So they are a couple who are married to each other. However, <laughs> they still like cock and they play with single guys. They don't play with couples, they play with single guys. And um, they like foursomes and moresomes, but with single guys and themselves. And they don't consider themselves lesbians. They consider themselves a same-sex married couple. Right. Because they're bisexual. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And what's so beautiful about your share there and then about how the two of you specifically uh, define your relationship is that it identities are infinite. The design and style of our relationships are infinite. And it's really up to us as individuals to decide how we want to, to call ourselves. Right. Right? Right. And, and so it can be very almost limiting sometimes when we put it in just these four, three or four categories of which one are you? So I have a question for you then. So we're talking about now a monogamous couple, but they want to have a threesome. 
does that kick yeah. them into the non-monogamy category or even if they did it once or more or are they still really a monogamous couple that are just trying new things? I think it's up to the couple to be able to identify for themselves. And I think the word identity is different than the word behavior because there are many people that I've worked with who identify as kinky. And then there are many people who do kinky behaviors but don't identify as kinky. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and then I've also heard the term monogamish which has become very popular by Dan Savage, whereas you're primarily in a monogamy style of relationship. But then there's also this this uh, space for blurring lines and, and changing your mind and engaging in behaviors that wouldn't technically fit under monogamy. Right. Now, now our show is really talking to um, those couples out there who want to spice up their sex life and do something a little bit different. Um, our show, you know, doesn't really target the whole swinging community because um, even though we are in the swinging community and we, we, we live most of our lives in it, um, our, our show is about, you know... It's about the sexy lifestyle. It's about the swinging. sexy lifestyle. Yes. And it's about helping people know what they don't know. And, you know, our show is going to be about, you know, breaking down some of those barriers and, and defining some of those words. But all these things we're talking about are adding labels to people. And we hate putting labels. And I like what Kat just said is you don't need to be um, bisexual. You know, Carol's not bisexual. She's bisituational. If it's good for her, she'll play with a girl. If it's <laughs> good for her, she'll find two cocks. And next week she might do something different. Right. You don't have to be something. It's what you feel like in the moment and what's good for you as a person or as your couple. I love that. And so that's really empowering us to tune inward and figure out for ourselves, what is my most authentic truth versus just doing something because I identify as monogamy. Therefore, I have to do all of these things that fit under that one expectation. Yeah, absolutely. And we've met a couple people who are in a triad relationship, which is part mm -hmm. of that polyamory de definition that you uh, described earlier, where they were two women and one man and lived together and they consider themselves not legally married, all three of them, two of them are married, and the other one is, um, <laughs> they've been together for so long, they consider themselves, themselves married, but that's their relationship <laughs> and they live mm -hmm. and do everything together and live in the same home and they are a triad instead of a couple. Yeah, yeah. So a triad is where all three people are in a relationship together with each other. Then there's another form that we also see is, and that's called a split V, where there's two people who are not in relationship with each other, but they are in relationship with one shared person uh -huh. that uh -huh. acts as like a pivot partner. And that's under polyamory, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. Wow. That's so interesting. And, and then and, there's another category, which we come across a lot, which is couples who are exclusive to each other. So a couple Swinger dating couples. another couples, yes. right? Swinger couples. Swinger yeah. couples that only play exclusively with the other couple. And even though they're in the community, they don't switch and swap with other people. They are committed to the other couple and, for, and for they play, play purposes. And they all play together, right. all four always together. It's yeah. not like one woman, one man going off with the other one, which there are swingers that do that. Yeah. But these are two couples that are that committed. committed to each other. Or exclusive. It's not even committed. Exactly. Exclusive in their relationship when they're swinging. It's yeah. Just, and even further, <laughs> there's couples who are what we call monopoly, where one person is monogamous and the other person is polyamorous. Right. So one person doesn't want anybody other than their partner and the other person does want to engage with other people. So it's it's so it's it's endless, infinite. like you said. Wow, that's <laughs> really good. And, you know, a lot of times we're changing our ideas and that's kind of what we're here talking about today because it's a brand new decade and we want to talk about how all these ideas about different relationship styles are changing with times. And a lot of it has to do with the different experiences that we encounter in our lives where we can open up and actually imagine those uh, styles of relationships for ourselves. And that gives us a lot of options. And so um, what, how do you explain all of those ways that experiences can help you open up your and broaden your horizons? Well, I, I can speak for myself and my own personal experience of I, you know, being a sex therapist and, and having my own past experiences of um, trauma around sex, I had this intention of wanting to expand and reclaim my relationship around relationships and sexuality. So I became very curious. So I intentionally put myself in, into different communities and different um 
spending time with different people, reading different books, um, attending different events that were sex related to really expand my own understanding. So I think the first time I went to a BDSM club was when I was 23 and was fascinated with this whole dark aspect and, and yet playful and yet ritualistic and um, consensual world that was very, very different than my rural town, Missouri upbringing. <laughs> sure. And, right. Right. Just a little bit. <laughs> and then further, I, you know, sometimes uh, uh, dropping into the Tantra community and that whole world and, and watching people. I think that was the first experience that I had of, of seeing people in polyamorous unions and asking them questions and then observing how they negotiated, observing how they, um, some you know sometimes did get jealous or activated or and sometimes just be able to to watch their partner in total pleasure and that was really fascinating and helped me to break through these these thoughts in my mind of oh it has to look and be this way because i was gaining more evidence that it doesn't have to be and then finding partners myself who were also interested in, in that same or at least curious about that lifestyle or about those types of relationships to be able to try them on ourselves and explore what worked for us, what didn't work for us. And and then even further, those books and lectures. And um, so I think the more that we expose ourselves to things that are outside of what we understand, then we can at least create more of a uh, flexibility in our mindsets versus just being rigid and firm of this is how the world is, this is how we're created, and this is how it has to be. Right. Yes. And in Great Sex Matters, we're going to get a little bit more personal with Kat. But, you know, from all the experiences that you've done, which is your most favorite or, or exciting or erotic um, uh, environment you like to be in? Is it more the swinger side, the kink side, the bisexual? Where, where do you like to, to live? Oh my God. I, and this is <laughs> all of them, every single one of them. <laughs> and I have to have all of them. I wow. love the variety. I love having uh, partners and, ex- you know, spending time in the kink world and going to BDSM events and, and performing and, and that kind of thing, or having partners who will play that dynamic with me. And I also have been studying Tantra for 10 years now. And so that's a big part of my life. I regularly do breath work and energy work and chanting and um, energy movement with those those partners who want to explore that with me. Um, I also love going to sex parties and that's a regular part of my life. <laughs> so it's, it's everything. It's a lot. And it's- I think that Yes, I love keeping it varied. And I think that's what keeps me so satiated is um, is the variation and not the habituation. Right. And that's one of the things that we learned early on in the swinging lifestyle, and especially with Dr. Um, Edward Fernandez. He studied the swinging lifestyle that most swingers swing for the variety. That's the number the one excitement. reason. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. what you're doing yeah, with yourself, keeping yourself very. <laughs> in the, and I know from your practice and, of course, coaching everybody, you actually have evidence that proves that this types of different types of relationships actually actually work for humans. You were talked about having the evidence that explains that humans are equipped to handle both poly and monogamy. Well, with that, I would say that there were there are many arguments. There are many books, many different researches that highlights how we're supposed to be. And I think that's interesting because it's um, all of this research, we have to be mindful that they're biased. So look at who's funding the research. Look who, look at who's writing it and what stance they have. Because many of these books are very um, one-sided. So we're... Where years ago, the Sex at Dawn book came out and it became hugely popular, especially among conversations around, you know, what are we supposed to be? Are we, uh, you know, originally evolutionarily, are we polyamorous? And look at all these different cultures, these Amazon cultures that, uh, you know, prize uh, sharing of partners on, and then raising the children together. Um, look at bonobos, which is one of our closest cousins, um, uh, relation or yeah, evolutionarily, and how they engage in sex for pleasure and and um, connection. Uh, you know, shared partners. 
Um, and yet, at the same time, there are other books that support the opposite, or at least take some of that evidence that's presented in Sex at Dawn and say, hey, there's actually a bigger picture here, and there's actually more here than what is being uh, produced in the these, ob- you know, quote-unquote objective research. Mm. Um, so I think it's really important to educate ourselves on both sides of the argument in order to get a whole picture and realize that we are way more complex than just our, uh, you know, evolution, biology <laughs> um, aspects of ourselves. Yeah. But we're also, we are intelligent, thinking, feeling creatures. We learn through social observation and higher processing. We and, or we evolve with both social messaging and technological advances, and we adapt to these things. So just because today we have the ability to be polyamorous and form different relationships doesn't mean that each of us individually are supposed to be, because some of us have more um, you know, attachment strategy is that it's highly uncomfortable to be in that type of relationship. And so our truth and what it would make us thrive in this world is to be in a monogamous relationship. Mm-hmm. And then some of us have, you know, we're career minded. So we literally don't have the time to create relationships, multiple relationships and do really well at them. So I think ultimately across the board, even though we can have the capacity to do either one of those things, we need to figure out what's right and true for us as individuals. Right, because we don't have to actually engage in all of those things. But Dr. Kat, I'm just going to ask you to hold that thought right now. We're just going to remind everybody that we are Carol and David, and this is our third anniversary show. We are talking with Dr. Kat Meyer, sex therapist and sex coach, all about alternative relationship models. And we'll be right back after this right back we're still here we're going to talk <laughs> about goddess week at hito and we're going to come back continue our amazing discussion with cat in a second but we just want to invite everyone to join us for goddess week at the clothing optional spectacular resort hedonism 2 in jamaica we're going to be there may 9th to 16 2020 yeah, it's hosted by Kim and Brad from Tantric Hearts, and this week is all about adding more passion into your life and your relationship, from goddess spot massage to feminine empowerment and manifesting desire. These daily play shops will help you discover your goddess within. We love discovering those goddesses within. All right, and to find out more, go to our website, thesexylifestyle.com. All the information is there. All right, we're back. We are Carol and David, and we're having a great chat with Dr. Kat Meyer. She's a sex therapist, sex coach, she's a podcaster, and we're going to continue discussing open relationships, non-monogamy, pleasure. Um, But Kat, first, we just want to ask you, why is it important for couples to open up their minds with self-inquiry and curiosity about their relationships? Why do we have to question it? Why can't we just follow the social norms and, you know, be married forever? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, we could, but we may actually be doing ourselves a disservice as in staying in some relationships that, that end up making us really sad or make us feel unsatisfied or, um, you know, all kinds of, of problems here. I mean, we, we see divorces happen and because, and it, you know, while there's many different reasons for that, a lot of it is like, when are we checking in with ourselves and creating space for ourselves to to figure out what it is that we want? Are we being mindful of what is what is right for us? And are we giving ourselves permission to want what we want and engage in how we want to? You know, or are we allowing other people to be our gurus and just saying, "Oh, you know the truth, therefore I'm going to follow you and you know put everything that I am doing to live." the life that I'm viewing you live, which isn't even necessarily authentic. Like how many relationships or, um, uh, you know, gurus or teachers or life coaches we're seeing on social medias who are presenting a specific lifestyle and then behind the scenes, it's actually very different. Mm -hmm. So instead of just seeking out, you know, the gurus as the people who know all, I think we should instead turn to ourselves and question and, you know, recognize that we are self as guru. You know, we've had this discussion so many times with hundreds of different swinger friends or open-minded because there's a lot of people in the lifestyle who don't necessarily play, but they're just there for, you know, a great 
erotic uh, ex uh, in, uh, experience with their partner. But, you know, how wrong or, or, or people should question it, you know, you're supposed to meet someone when you're in your 20s and decide they're the perfect person for you for the next 50 years. Right. For how the can rest you do of your that? Life. You <laughs> haven't right. even learned who you are. And now you're choosing someone that you said this is going to be the right person. You know, we okay. were just talking uh, to our daughter the other day and she's, you know, with someone they've been together two, three years and eventually hopefully they'll get married. But we're and they're going to be lawyers. And we're saying, you know, maybe you should mm -hmm. guys just have an annual contract that you have to give each other, you know, three month notice and you can renew it or continue it um, any way you want. I mean, not as simplistic as that, but it's not very natural for people who meet at a very young age to say, well, that's the person I'm going to stay with the rest of my life. And to and, be stuck with it. And what then if, if it doesn't work, right. society looks at you and says, oh my God, they got divorced? Yeah, yeah. well, mm -hmm. I mean, certainly yeah. today divorce is so common and it's unfortunate. And um, both David and I self are both from divorced marriages and of course we got together uh, 15 years ago now. Actually, what? it's December 21st was our dump day anniversary <laughs> because Carol's ex-husband is married to my ex-wife and that's what before oh, we became wow. swingers <laughs> right. but until we got married we celebrated our dump day for years right but we've been married six years now six and a half years now and of course oh. you know we went through the bad marriage we know exactly that it's not so easy to sexless pick. marriage yes not so easy to mm -hmm. pick out somebody and stick with them and and certainly um, by your saying that it's so important to question is because when I was in my marriage I know for a fact I didn't question anything. I figured that this is what you have to do. And when it doesn't work out, you walk away. To me, I didn't mm -hmm. even realize there's such things as sex coaches and therapists who can help you through the hard times. I didn't even realize. And I'm a smart or person. Or sex toys. Self-pleasuring. But you, so, so today, like especially with doctors like yourself who are helping so many couples to figure it out together without walking away from each other and trying to find that common ground where, like you said, the, the monopoly, maybe one does doesn't want to be poly and the other one does you can stay together and make it work and that's just so cool because we're doing it through people like yourself helping others right and I think it's important you know not only do we evolve over time but to really when we can self-inquire we can look at what are these uh, influences that we have or understandings that we have, these expectations that we have that we're bringing into the relationship that we may or may not be conscious of that we have. And so then we're projecting onto the other person that they have the same understanding and ideals that we do. And that's just not the case because we're two different people. We may have overlapping values or, or expectations, but there's definitely places there that either um, are different or change over time. Like each of us have a different understanding, uh, a different sex script or blueprint of, of our sexuality. Um, and that encapsulates all the understandings that we have around sex or the meaning of it and, and the roles and the styles and the language of it. And if we don't figure out what that is for us, kind of like what I was saying earlier, how do we define commitment, infidelity, uh, uh, intimacy, and then we then we don't know what we're working with and we're just unconsciously creating something that may or may not satisfy us right. or the other person. Right. So without, this is an empowering tool to do. Certainly. And without questioning, we would never know. But also when you do make mm -hmm. that decision to you know, get into a non-monogamous relationship, relationship or, or yeah. just to get you know, some, um, some fun in there and do something different, the, the sad part is that mostly in society that's not acceptable today i'm hoping this new decade will open up a lot more minds but then we have to kind of hide it because the view of society is not the same as what you're just describing in this wonderful open-minded lifestyle mm -hmm. so there's so many challenges that society is putting pressure on non-monogamous relationships and how do you think we can overcome that in this decade Oh my God, that's such a good question. I think as you know, as people like you and I continue to talk about these things and share our experiences, I think ultimately we need to recognize um, that we are all human. 
figuring these things out. Um, there's a big pressure from society that uh, placed on any non-monogamous uh, style of relationships that say, you know, like you can't be jealous or how do you do that with, je- you know, jealousy being being a thing. And, and part, the biggest part of it is um, by owning our humanness and owning these experiences that we have. Yes, we all get jealous. It doesn't matter. That's across any sort of relationship. Um, I think m- many of the things that, Uh, people will judge non-monogamous relationships for are the same things that can happen in monogamous relationships. It's just in a different way. It might be heightened because you're including more human hearts there, but it's still the same human experiences across the board. Yeah. So as we, you know, there is so as we practice more compassion, allowance, um, consent, um, agency, which is the ability to uh, empower somebody to make their own decisions, um, I think that all of that is going to be really helpful in us, um, including being more inclusive of different styles of relationships. And and can you imagine a world where non-monogamous relationships are uh, accepted, like at face value, and not been questioned by everybody else around them? You know, I have to remind myself I live in a bubble here in Los Angeles <laughs> because when I go home, it's very different. You know, when I go back to St. Louis, Missouri, it's, it's just very different over there. And so here I'm like, I would have the answer of yes, I can totally, I can definitely see that eventually happening. But then I go back there and I'm reminded, no, we've got a long way to go. And and I'm not here to be any sort of preacher or tell anybody that their self will relationship is wrong. Um, I'm just here to inspire, you know, potential out, uh, potential relationships. And, you know, we are seeing more and more couples listening, <clears throat> listening to people about doing things a little bit differently in their relationships. So when we come to places like hedonism in Jamaica, when we do the Bliss Cruise, which has 4,000 open-minded couples on it, Nadia New Orleans, which happens in July, and there's the largest um, convention for open-minded, sexually open-minded people in the world, we're seeing a lot more couples coming for the first time. People, Mm -hmm. um, Lisa Ling just did a great show on CNN um, all about um, this world that we live in, the lifestyle. It was done really, really well. I I ask everybody, go watch the show. She put a really um, realistic spin on how um, the lifestyle really works. And when we were at Young Swingers with Brett in March, um, and we'll be back with him again this March, Half of the people that came, it was their first experience doing anything mm. in the lifestyle, doing anything a little bit sexually outside the norm. And they had this amazing time because, you know, Carol and I talk about it all the time. People don't know what they don't know, but when they find out what else is available out there sexually to enhance themselves as a person or themselves as a couple, it strengthens the couple and we've seen so many couples grow because they don't have to just fuck in the missionary position on their bed on the left side for 25 years right and there are options out there which is some of the things that you're talking about different relationship options but getting um out there and trying new things that's the whole goal here and i hope one Mm -hmm. day that this type of non-monogamous relationship will be you know, just acceptable and not frowned upon and not looked down upon. But I agree with you. There is but it, still it, it, a lot of work to and do. And it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be non-monogamous. It has to be mm-hmm. people who are open about their sexuality. How many people come to Hito or go on the Bliss Cruise that don't play? Well, I get they just want to be naked. They just want to mm-hmm. go in the yes. playroom and fuck their partner with other people okay, fucking but that, around that them. That could still be frowned upon. That is a lifestyle that is still not exactly. But they're normal. not bringing other people I'm into their saying, relationship. They could still be judged for that, mm-hmm. which I hope one day that there won't be a judgment even for that small deviant from the norm, which I think that would be a really nice way to be. Now, I know you touched a little bit upon um, jealousy, which of course, like you said, is a natural human reaction in all different aspects of our lives, but especially in the non-monogamous world and in the swinging world, Mm -hmm. we see it all the time, that jealousy is a big issue. And we get asked all the time in this particular position we're in. You ready? Here comes the question. (laughs) How can you let someone fuck your wife? Someone else. Yeah, without being jealous of it. Like, how do you just let someone... Or fuck your husband. Yes, exactly. And so um, what do you say to that? How does that How does that even happen that you're not so jealous that you can absolutely just share your partner? 
Yeah. And I would say that it doesn't happen overnight. You know, I think it's a progression, right? Because we've, we have these social constructed ideas that are conditioned into our mind of monogamy. You know, you don't share your partner. So I would say even at the, you know, as you start out, you will probably feel jealousy. And then moving forward with specific people, you may feel jealousy and allowing that for yourself, you know, having compassion for yourself, um, owning that part. And, uh, I think being able to do your own work around that and understand that jealousy isn't bad. It's actually a signal that one of our needs isn't being met for whatever reason, whether it's related to a need being met not by our partner or a need that we're not doing for ourselves or a need related to our own attachment uh, strategies of being able to feel secure or um, connected with. Um, So, you know, First, owning, having compassion for yourself, doing your own work, uh, learning about self-regulation in your own body. So when your nervous system gets kicked into a fight-or-flight response, can you learn how to calm and soothe and regulate your own self? And have a balance with co-regulation, which means that we allow our other partner to soothe and calm ourselves. We need to have a balance between those two pieces. And, and uh clear communication about these and vulnerability is crucial for this to be able to work at all (laughs) and to create, yeah, have that space for ourselves. And then to also remember and support the agency of our partners, Um, you know, to remember that our partners are individual beings with their own needs and desires and pleasures and to support and uplift them in making those decisions for themselves while also creating space for us to have our own voice. So when we have the jealousy, maybe there's some things that the two of you can negotiate on that would help to alleviate that. Um, and then while, while not taking away the, the power and the agency of the other person and saying, we're taking this completely off the table. There are times where I was just, where I've expressed, you know what, right now I'm just, I'm feeling some crunchiness in my body. I'm feeling some, some, some jealousy coming up and I completely, I'm just observing it. I'm just witnessing it. It can be here. And I, you know, want you, I'm not taking this off the table. And you can still be in that pleasure yourself. Right, right. And one of the things that I know when I describe what is the lifestyle for us, and it was for David and myself, I always like to say that it begins with an open mind and a strong, Mm -hmm. loving relationship. And so if you don't have that to begin with, then please don't try to just jump into the relation into the lifestyle or a non-monogamous relationship without at least getting that basis that groundwork done with your with your partner so that you can have mm-hmm. that great communication and you can move forward with and sharing ideas and fantasies and fulfilling some Being of those open fantasies. And honest, yeah. yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So the jealousy yeah. is certainly a lot less when you're in a secure relationship with the partner that you love and knows that you know loves you and that you're not really mm-hmm. worried that that partner is going to, you know, enjoy cocksucking from another woman instead of me better and that he might want to run off with her and marry her because she sucks cock better. Well, no, <laughs> we actually have a real relationship uh, beyond cocksucking, but, right? Yeah, but we, we've learned from that. You know, um, everybody gives head differently than your own partner. And there's some women that do it really well. We've played with a couple of porn, <laughs> st- porn stars. And you know what? They're just as good as you see it on, on their, their films. But, you know, if I have, if we're playing with another couple or another, I'm with another woman and she's giving me head in a different way than Carol and I really enjoy it. Well, I'll go to Carol and I'll say, you know what? This time she used her hand this way and she used her mouth this way and a little bit of teeth here and Carol tries it and we just added something new to our relationship. It's like going to a sex ed class. Right. I was never offended by mm-hmm. someone else doing something different. I'm learning from it instead. So I guess it's the way you your your mind is set going into it as well. But I want to go back to the jealousy thing and, and I want you to tell the story about the first time you sat there and watched me fuck someone else. Right. So when we started in the lifestyle, Dave and I always played together so that's number one rule for us so when you're on let's say on a mat or a bed and there's a whole pile of people you're all playing together you can see your partner playing and having sex in a certain angle while you're on your back and you're looking or you're on your your knees and looking 
but one time I was like, it was a big orgy and I, I tapped out. I was like, you were ready. done. I was After ready. After five orgasms. Right. I was ready for a rest and I sat on the couch <laughs> and I continued watching the whole orgy going on in front of me. And I really actually saw David fucking another woman for the very first time from an outsider's point of view, looking down into the pile where he was fucking another woman. And it was a completely different angle. And I did have a tweak of jealousy at that very minute, the first time it happened. And I said, oh my gosh, that's what that looks like. And I, I had a weird feeling. I told David about it right away when he was done. He said, oh, that's strange. But it was good to, like you said, you're going to acknowledge it's there. I did nothing about it. I didn't freak out or anything. I mm-hmm. made very clear, oh, look, I'm feeling jealous right now. And and we spoke about it afterwards. And I, I didn't want him to do anything different. I just thought it was interesting after having seen him. Like, it was probably two years into being swingers. It wasn't even like the yeah. very first month yeah. or anything. And right? then we did like we always do, is regardless of who we fuck or who we play with, yeah. we fuck each other. Yeah, and we reconnect. We always mm-hmm. reconnect at the end, for sure. But it was just interesting that very first time I felt a twinge of, of um, jealousy. And now and now when you're, you're done and I'm fucking someone else, you sit there and you get turned on. Sometimes you play with your clit, you masturbate, yeah. And, yeah. and you find... Because you never see what it looks like with a cock going into you unless you're you're, you're, you're right. watching someone else do it, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it sounds like the two of you have these three basic attachment needs met of security, availability, and intimacy. So uh, when jealousy arises, you know, one of those one of those three, and there's like categories underneath those three, but may not be met, and so the jealousy can come up of like, oh. Maybe avail- the person, I don't feel that they're available to me in this moment. So it's it's like this internal system kicking on saying, bing, 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 something's not, you know, not fully accessible to me right now to get my needs met. And it can happen to any of us in many different <laughs> situations that, and then sometimes we can shame ourselves. Well, why is this happening right now? Kind of like what you said, we were in the swinging community for two years and so to not have shame around that, here it is again. Oh, here's that part of me that, that it's feeling um, less connected or less, you know, with my partner in this moment. Yeah, it's absolutely. That was the kind of thing that was, was going on. And it's, it's so interesting, even the way you just presented it, which was a whole different point of view than the, how I had even rationalized it in my head. So I love that, that these are the kind of things that we're teaching the world by doing it, by sharing ours and talking to the experts like yourself and getting that information out there because jealousy is the number one reason why people are afraid to try new things, afraid to, yeah. to get into new relationships. And they're just afraid that they won't be able to handle the jealousy. So I guess security has got to be the number one reason why you focus on getting that security first before you move forward into any type of non-monogamy and and yeah it's all you know it it, there's it's such a big radius it's not even uh you know it's not even pinpointing what you have to do it's keeping that open mind in all different aspects and being aware and being grounded and just you know be with i guess be self-conscious of what you're doing and not just do it automatically Oh my gosh, for sure. And then when we have that secure container, that, you know, strong container, then we can be vulnerable in that. But if we don't feel that we can be vulnerable and own that we're jealous or hurt or scared or angry, then it's not going to be a, we can't be ourselves, first of all. And then we're just perpetuating a relationship that we don't really want Mm -hmm. because we can't be ourselves in that. So coming back to that foundation of building the security first. I absolutely agree with that. Yeah, terrific. We're just going to take a quick break right here. We're just going to take a second to remind everybody that we are Carol and David, and this is our third anniversary show with Dr. Kat Meyer. She's a sex therapist and sex coach. And coming up next is our favorite segment, Great Sex Matters. Stay tuned. And we want to invite everyone to join us at Hedonism 2 in Jamaica during Goddess Week, May 9 to 16, hosted by Kim and Brad from Tantric Hearts. And we have Kim here with us to tell us all about the highlights of the week and what to expect. Hello, everybody. Thank you, Carol. I am so excited about the Goddess Week. We are going to have so much fun. We're going to be exploring Goddess Spot, feminine empowerment, manifesting your desires. So if you're looking for more passion, more connection, more intimacy in your relationships, and also you want to have more passion in yourself and in your relationships, then we can help you with finding that goddess within. So join us. 
Um, we're looking forward to it. We're going to be here and having a whole lot of fun. So if you want to find out more about this event, uh, of course, you can go to tantrichearts.com and thesexylifestyle.com. We'll have all the information posted there. All right. This is The Sexy Lifestyle. We are Carol and David. And now it is time for our favorite part of the show where we get to talk about great sex because... Well, great sex matters and we all deserve it. We've been having an amazing discussion. We have been having a great show. And it was so appropriate that today's show is about open relationships and swinging and non-monogamy and all those fun things. Because after three years and all 300 guests that we've had on our show, it's really about couples strengthening their relationship. What can they do to not end up in a boring, stale, sexless marriage that ends up in divorce and what can we do and today we've been talking with Kat all about those alternative things you can do some of them are with other people some of them are with same-sex people with and in our great sex matters segment we're going to talk about all the wonderful things that happen when you have great communication when you have that strong relationship and you know one of the first things Kat we want to talk about is you know being open and free and before you can do that, couples need to, we, we always talk about communication, but they have to set some rules, limits, expectations. What are some of those important top four or five things that are non-negotiables that they have to do before they do something outside that standard missionary position on the left side of your bed? I mean, gosh, that's that's really hard. I, I tend to avoid, you know, doing um, uh, black and white hard rules. I actually encourage couples more uh, along the lines of creating agreements and describing a difference between rules and agreements. If we think about rules, a lot of times we have a negative connotation to it, and we think about, you know, in third grade, I did, I broke a rule and I got sent to the principal's office. Mm-hmm. So there can build up a lot of fear around rules, and then end up um, creating hypervigilance that our partner or ourselves will maintain whatever the the, um, confines of that rule versus an agreement is something that um, two people come to understand their own stance of something and then they come together and identify what their their edges and their boundaries are, meaning edges is something that they can lean into. It's, it might be uncomfortable, but they'll be okay there. And a boundary is a hard uh, personal uh, end point of this is how much I'm able to give and then no more. So when we come to an agreement, it's very empowering because both people um, present what it is that they would like to create and come to a win-win situation, whereas rules can can oftentimes barrier those things. Um, we all want some sort of structure as much as we, we believe that, you know, like, let's just figure it out as we go and freedom and all the free love and everything, which sounds so beautiful. And yet in my experience and working with clients and with myself is that we, are, we need some sort of structure to give us uh, where can we go. You know, if we create a map together, then we know how far to, to go before we're going to end up hurting somebody or doing something that's not desirable of somebody else. So I think that is an incredibly important thing to start with there. Um, I also highly recommend doing our own personal work so that we know how to, what to come forth with the communication. You know, if we are um, being able to express our feelings or what's coming up for us and if we are first connected with ourselves and asking ourselves these questions, then we've got nothing to bring forth in the relationship. And we're just um, flying by the seat of our pants and we may be doing something that's very much not in alignment with ourselves. Right. right. And one of the things we talk about all the time is kudos to everybody who've had the to talk who've decided they're going to try something new something different and we're not talking about swinging or bringing other people in but just doing something outside their boundaries and shit happens it doesn't go mm-hmm. right sometimes and because you've both like you just said agreed to go in trying it you cannot hold it against each other right because things do go wrong sometimes oh my god all the time <laughs> yes and so how are you able to come together and move towards each other instead of move away from each other. Yeah. yeah where, and, learn from it. And I, yeah, learn from it. And I think this is a crucial thing to learn before entering into this, these types of relationships is to know how 
what are your strategies to protect you that you use to protect yourself? What are the strategies that you use when you're feeling hurt or upset um, or needing something from a partner? Like, how do you get those things met? And if and even if it's, it seems ugly and we don't like that the answer what the answer is by knowing what it is, then when we become vulnerable, then we can do something about it. So becoming an expert of yourself and an expert of your partner of what are specifically are your vulnerabilities and then what are ways that you get soothed by your partner or by yourself and vice versa? How is your partner soothed? So that we have this whole whole toolbox to be able to to pull at these things when those mom, when shit does hit the pan. Right. And one of the things I like to always specify is that when we are going into any type of new situation, doesn't matter exactly what it is that you pick with your partner to uh, explore and try it. Really share those expectations so that you're not disappointed going in. Because if I had a, an expectation that I didn't share with David and it didn't turn out right, I would feel disappointed. And yet his expectation was so different. He was he was elated by the whole situation and we were not on the same page. And so sharing your expectation before even starting is a good you know, I guess a good and, tool. And even after 12 years, it happens. Yeah, it does, yes. You know, we go mm-hmm. into a situation and it's like, okay, we're going to do this. And all of a sudden, Carol, you know, maybe doesn't feel like it anymore. And she didn't tell me and I'm still going full bore. And she's right. like, yeah, I no. don't really think I want to be here yeah. tonight. And, um, you know, the, the strength we have in communicating, um, you know, we have had some evenings where it didn't work out as well for her as it did for me. And we go back, we regroup, we have great sex. We wake up in the morning and say, okay, we learned from that. You know, if this happens again, just tell me and we'll back out. Because, you know, in any type of open relationship or swinging lifestyle, you, you never take one for the team. Right. No. <laughs> because then you end up building resentment and, and whether you're conscious of it or not. Uh, and and it's not creating space for you to have uh, a right in the relationship and the co-creation of that relationship. Essentially, you're saying it's, you know, for the sake of the relationship, but you have just as much of a right to have pleasure and feel good and safe and, and love in your own relationship. Right. So Kat, um, now it's time to get a little personal. Last time you were on our show, we spoke about those amazing experiences you had at Burning Man. Um, let's talk a little <laughs> bit about the, the 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 relationship styles that you've experienced. Some of them that are your favorites. You spoke a little bit earlier about tantra and stuff like that. But well, those you, were lifestyles more than relationships. I now. guess so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, sure. what have you tried in a relationship style that has either worked for you or hasn't worked for you? Sure. So I I would say that I identify, I always identify as non-monogamous, which means that the form of my relationships change depending on who's in them and the alchemy that's created between myself and that person. So it's really just, it's it's been an interesting, fluid evolution over the last few years that I've, you know, been experiencing these types of relationships, because at some points, um, it's been more open. Um, I've had an, you know, we called it, we identified it as an open relationship, whereas it was us two together. And then we were engaged sexually with other people, um, both together and apart. Um, that I felt was not as authentic to me as because I found myself creating relationships with those people that I was engaging sexually with. So then I realized, okay, so then I was with, you know, a a couple, uh, two men at the same time and, and, and then engaging sexually with other people. And that felt really good for me because it was this, um, I, when I connect with people, I'm emotional. And I love the I love the love aspect of relating with people. I love the sex aspect of it as well. But I love opening my whole heart and being to that other person. Um, then you know, then as things flowed with with both and without those men, um, I formed into um, loverships. That's that's another term that I like to use, whereas it's significant. There's a relationship with the other person and there's sex and there's, you know, that involved. But it's not so much that they are making life decisions with me. It's more of they're living their independent life 
and I'm living my independent life. And we're also highly supportive and highly um, connected with each other. Wow, I really like so, that term, lovership. I really like it a lot. Yeah, I think it defines yeah. a lot of people's relationships. I think I started my relationship with David as a lovership when we first got divorced. Uh, those friggin' booty calls. You <laughs> called me up, you said, I need your cock, well, come over and fuck of, me. There was lots of monkey sex, but I like the way you described lovership because we, at the time, at the first when we first got divorced, we were not living together. You, you had said your very clearly, there's no way I'm falling in love with you. I just want you for sex. <laughs> okay, but then we fell in love, but we still... Still lived apart. Two years of booty calls, and yes. then finally, finally, what? you came to your senses and realized that I am a very passionate, intimate yes, person. And that's when I fell in love with you. But yes. I really like that terminology. So sorry to interrupt your yeah. whole list of types of relationships. Keep going on, please. <laughs> yeah, and then I've also experienced where I was a um, third as a part of couples, and that was more. Um, and I continue to experience that too of just like joining their union. And so I feel more of a supporting figure in their relationship um, where I, of course, receive a lot of love in that relationship too. It's just, it, I, it's, it's just a different role within it. Um, and then I've also engaged and I've had a dominant submission um, relationship before. So I've had a couple of doms, professional doms that we would play in. And um, in some of those relationships, they were sexual. And then some of the relationships, it was strictly the, the role of um, I was going to be a submissive and he was going to be a dominant. Mm. Um, so we played and we played and we performed and we did that kind of thing. Um, but it was never, turn- we never had sex together. Um, and then, yeah, I don't know. And then going to sex parties and, and engaging in, um, uh, you know, playfulness with friends <laughs> as well. And then and friends with benefits, I guess you would call it. <laughs> and, sure. uh, but there's so much love there too. It's just not... Um, you know, we know that we're not forming any sort of unit together. Right. It's just love, support, and play. And Kat, and Kat <laughs> when you go into these different types of sexual encounters or experiences, is it more important for you to make sure that you have a good sexual experience, or are you the person who wants to make sure the other person or people have a good experience? Oh my God, both. I don't think it's mutually exclusive for me at all. I'm so good at, I've really come to learn my pleasure and what I like. And so I'm really good at communicating that and ensuring that I'm having a good time. Um, and, and, and I've just gotten really good at getting into my body to be able to allow that. And then it's also incredibly important to me and a turn on for me to observe my partner or whoever I'm with in total pleasure. So I create space for both of it. And, um, you know, having that dynamic of being, if switching those roles of giver and receiver and being fully present in both of those. Yeah, that's very important. And how important is it to reconnect with your primary partner after you've had sex with others or you've been out playing or enjoying or flirting or whatever? Yeah, I think it's really important. And again, it depends on the, the couple unit, to, you know, how they define their relationship. But I oftentimes teach people about the importance of creating um, uh, connection rituals. So whether that's a ritual uh, before the person goes off on a sexual experience or upon the return to reconnect. And and that can be anything from um, having a bath together or having sex together or cuddling on the couch and stroking the other person's hair. And just whatever it is, some sort of uh, full presence connection intimacy with the other person yeah that that sounds really really nice and we're coming to the end of our show here and i just wow i don't want i know i know it's been so interesting um so (laughs) i just kind of want to not not only recap kind of some of the very major points that you talked about but what if um you know what are those top three things that someone should do first if they've decided that they want to open up their relationship First one is to do your own research. <laughs> Read books that aren't just telling you why we're poly or why we're not and the evolutionary evidence to support either, but read books about that teach you about the common challenges that might arise and how to navigate them. Some of my favorite books, one of my favorite books is um, More Than Two, which I think really encapsulates things that might come up 
and and how to talk through them or how to prepare for them. Um, also, and to look at it and ask yourself, you know, like, okay, this is what I'm getting into. Is this really, do I have the time and the space in order to navigate this? Because some of us honest, honestly don't. I think the second one to do is to do your own personal work. You know, whether you're working with a therapist, whether you're journaling, whether you're going to see a coach, whether you're um, doing online programs or workshops, you know, do your own work to understand your internal expectations, your desires, your influences on relationships or sexuality um, understand who you are as a relational being and a sexual being so that you're bringing forth something um, from a place of uh, or you're creating something from a place of mindfulness and knowing And then the third one is to find support. So whether it's finding a group or finding a couple who's doing the similar or same thing online or in person, because it really, it was a game changer for me having people that I could bounce ideas off and uh, not be in my own world and my own attachment strategies of how to be in a relationship because we all have blind spots and we all have our own realities and our realities coexist alongside our partner's realities and that isn't to say that one of us is right or wrong we're both right if we really take the time to to hear that and having support from a third party is is really helpful for that yeah and we are like communities that are online or communities that you can meet up with in person are certainly helpful they've gone through the similar types uh, of changes or similar types of ideas that they might want to just bounce ideas off and it's so much better talking to someone who's been there, done that, mm-hmm. um, those shortcuts, those tips and tricks that we always talk about help you get through those learning curves. Yeah. And some people, yeah. you know, um, don't have that support. How many times have we seen people show up at Hito? They've never been here. They booked it by accident and end up talking to people like us or uh, some other people who've been in the lifestyle a while and have the greatest time of their lives or other people who just sit in the corner are too afraid to approach anyone and leave not having grown or learned anything. So definitely talk to people. You can always send us an email at askatcarolandavid.com. Kat's going to give you her information in a few minutes. But there's so many resources out there. We've had 300 guests on our show. Their information is up on our site. You can send them emails. There really is a lot of people. The, The... the lifestyle is growing by leaps and bounds. What's it now? Like 17% of the population identified? Estimated, yes. Estimated. So it's a lot of people, you know, it, it, it's, and it's getting bigger and bigger. And, um, you know, cable TV and all these shows that are talking about different types of sexuality are bringing it to the forefront. And it, it just ask the questions. You don't have to live in that boring, stale, monogamous relationship that we've talked about again and again. So... Uh, Kat, thanks so much for being here. Um, It's always a pleasure having you on our show. Um, Why don't you tell everyone um, how they can find you on social media, email, um, where your podcast is. And um, this was such an amazing show. Yeah, thank you so much. It was my absolute pleasure. Um, Everyone can find me at sexloveyoga.com. They can also find me on Instagram where I post daily um, sex love yoga or Facebook, um, facebook.com slash sex love yoga with Dr. Kat, that's C-A-T. They can also tune into my podcast, Eat, Play, Sex Podcast, where we talk everything about nutrition, sex, and relationships. Cool. And maybe later this year, Kat's going to be joining us at Hito to do some yeah. of her yoga on the beach. And uh, we'll see, <laughs> that would we'll be see great. how that comes forward later on in the year. So stay tuned for that. And we're learning more and more every week with all our fantastic guests. And we hope you do too. You can visit our website, thesexylifestyle.com to find out more about all our expert guests. You can even contact them if you have questions about sex, sexuality, and relationships. And remember to sign up on sdc.com if you're looking for an open-minded online community to meet other sexy people and find out where the events are happening near you. If you use promo code 30314, you will get the first month free. So check it out. 
Yeah, check it out and join us. Like I just said, we're going to be at Hito. I don't know how many times this year, but it is a clothing optional resort in Jamaica where you can get as mild or as wild as you want. We're going to be there September 26th to October 3rd for the Triple Play event. It's a full takeover of the resort. And if you're into fitness, kink, or arm candy, and that's not the candy that you eat, it's the one that's sitting right next to me over here, um, join us. It's going to be an amazing event, and it's brought to you by the same people who put together Young Swingers Week. Right. And remember to book Naughty in Orleans. It's the largest convention for sexually open-minded couples in the world. And this year, it'll be July 8 to 12, 2020 in New Orleans. Absolutely. And for more information about this, these events, or even the stuff that Kat just spoke about, go to our website, thesexylifestyle.com. All the information is there. Or you can send us an email at ask at carolandavid.com. All righty. That's it for our show today, our third anniversary. Next year, we'll come back and be our fourth anniversary, maybe with over a million and a half people. Maybe Kat will be our guest again. Kat, thank you so much for being our special guest for this special show. Thank you. And we really need to thank everybody, all our listeners out there for being there and listening week in, week out to everything we have to talk about related to sex, sexuality, and relationships. And you can join us again next time for another hour of The Sexy Lifestyle, talking about sex and all the fun ways to spice up your sex life and live happy, healthy, and of course, always horny. Always horny. All right, everyone. That's it for today's show. Stay sexy, everyone. Until next time. Thank you for joining Carol and David for this week's edition of The Sexy Lifestyle. We've got another one lined up next Friday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The weekend is just around the corner, so try something new, spice it up, and you just might have the best sex ever. 